I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. I think we picked the worst time to have an eight-day break in between episodes because this was the busiest eight-day stretch in the NHL in a long time. Uh, I have three words before we even started this episode. Three words that are gonna that can describe this episode. Number one, long. Number two, lengthy. And number three, extensive. Uh, let's start. Let's start with the Canadians, um, because not only are we a Habs podcast, and therefore we should talk about them the most, but it kind of feels like over the past twenty four hours or so, everyone's talking about them the most because they actually did it. They did what we were floating around. It's like, oh, there's no way they'd actually do this. They talked to Price and convinced him to actually waive his no movement clause for the expansion draft thereby protecting Jake Allen and Seattle. There's no way they would take Carey Price, but then they would get to keep both of them. Oh, there's no way Mark Bergman is going to do that. And then they did it. It's amazing. And it was it was very surprising because it was floated out at first like, oh, yeah, they thought about maybe asking Price to waive his no-movement clause. I guess we'll see. And then an hour later, it was like, yep, it's done. It's waived. I was totally shocked. Yeah, completely bonkers. I mean... This seems like the dream scenario, right? Like, we both know that Price's contract, despite how well he performed in the playoffs, he's been bad for the last three years. Not playing up to that contract. It's among the worst in the league. And, yeah, there's, like, we got some emotional attachment to the guy, and especially throughout the organization. But uh, the right move here, just contractually, given the state of Carey Price, injury-prone in the last few years, uh, and, you know, not good has that contract. He's 34, um, and he has that contract till he's 39. This was always going to be the right move. Now, um, it just came out, like uh, I think like an hour or two ago. I think it was Sarah Valley who, who uh, reported it, uh, which is that Carey Price. Um, and we're starting to get some background because, you know, there were, there were just these rumors coming out. Um, oh, you know, they're considering uh, putting uh, not protecting Price, and they're, oh, they did it. Um, but we, and then, you know, there was like Carrie Price's wife who was posting things on Instagram. It was like, uh, oh, you know, all this will be explained soon or some shit. And then, you know, you get all these freaking conspiracy theories going on in your head. Like, what the hell could that mean? Um, you know, because they're both from like Washington or no, his wife is from Washington. He's from the West Coast. He's from BC, right? So it's like, well, there's a geographical connection there. Um, but uh, yeah, Sarah Burley just reported it. And I think I'm starting to get a clearer picture of really what's going on, um, and, like what's happening in the background. And, you know, given that, in the end, I don't think he's going to get picked. But let's get into it. And so, look, it's what, what ha- was it, uh, what's just been reported is that Price is injured. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, there's He's got a knee injury going on that he's going to get, uh, he's probably going to get surgery for. He's also got a, a hip injury that he's uh, going to get ex- examined in the coming weeks. He's about to see a doctor. Um, and apparently it's quite serious. I mean, the, the combination of those two injuries uh, sounds like he's going to be at least out for a large, the, the, the start of the next season, potentially the entire thing. And so with that in mind, I mean, his health was already concerned. Uh, you throw in this into the mix. We don't even know when he's going to be back. Um, that's, that's a whole other curveball for Seattle. That really makes it unlikely. Uh, and to add to that, we get some background on how this whole, you know, price exposure kind of thing happened it sounds like this uh sounds like price actually volunteered to because there was a deadline right for teams to uh ask their players to get to waive their no movement and that was that was back on tuesday and price this and volunteered on wednesday to do it and apparently the pa and the, and the league made an exemption because he volunteered to do it and so you know very very complex it seems that it was all very last minute it's all just like an avalanche of habs news coming out uh you combine that with the weber stuff that, that we'll get into in a minute 
But uh, yeah, from what it sounds like, you know, the dream, frankly, was that if Seattle took him. I, I was kind of hoping that they would, you know. Would we be left without a starting goalie? Sure. But we wouldn't be left with that freaking contract off our books. But uh, but it sure sounds like at this point in time, he's he's exposed. We're going to keep Jake Allen. Um, but it sure doesn't sound like it makes sense for Seattle to get him, despite all the, the fanfare that it would uh, result in. Did that come from somewhere that you think Price might miss the entirety of next season? Because I did not see that anywhere. And I, I wasn't really getting that impression. Uh, yeah, I'll, you keep talking and I'll look it up and I'll, I'll find out where the source was on that. All right, because the Pierre Lebrun tweet that I saw from 56 minutes ago right now is told that Carey Price is scheduled to see a doc in New York this week regarding a knee issue, which could potentially lead to surgery. The hope is that it's not too serious. I was getting the sense that Pierre Lebrun is, you know, doing Montreal front office dirty work here a little bit of trying to, like, scare Seattle away from taking Carey Price. Like, oh, yeah, maybe he's injured really badly. Maybe he'll need a surgery, but maybe not. And I have a feeling maybe like right after the expansion draft, it'll be like, eh, yeah, he's all he's all good to go. I, that was kind of the vibe I was getting from that tweet. I don't really know. The more we're looking into this, though, uh, not in terms of the injury, but just in the exposure. Uh, yeah, as you say, sources indicate it was Price's idea to waive his no-move clause. And apparently Mark Bergeron was really trying to get a good return for Jake Allen and accepting price's offer of waiving uh his no move clause to protect allen was kind of his last resort because he didn't get any offers he liked on jake allen and another thing from pierre lebron from a couple hours ago is it's a hefty contract to be sure but i'm told that seattle kraken are taking a deep dive internally on whether or not to take carry price in the expansion draft my guess is they don't in the end but i do think there's a better chance of it than i first thought intriguing i still i still really don't think they take him uh i think the, that front office is probably too smart to suffer from the the tremendous recency bias that most people appear to be, you know, having their judgment clouded by. Because as you say, uh, in like pretty much three of the past four years, he's been uh, pretty ho hum. When he's the highest paid goalie in the NHL, for the next five years, ho hum is uh, is not good enough. Yeah. So I found the word. I think it's just Cervelli kind of floats the option in his article. Um, I think it's just a, a cloud of uncertainty based on how long he's going to be out. It's possible that it's uh, he misses a chunk of the start of the season and that's it and he's good to go afterwards. Um, or it's possible that the surgery, just the recovery takes uh, takes up the entire season. Um, but either way, I mean, yeah, it, just, it, doesn't, it really doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, you know, Seattle, I'm sure it's tempting. Um, but, I, you know, after I think LeBron, like, uh, you know, after he sent that, uh, oh, like, you know, the, Seattle's doing their due diligence. Um, afterwards, it's like, you know, and then af- afterwards it was reported, like, as they were doing their due diligence, they kind of find out find out that uh, he's injured and, you know, he's got that whole thing going on and they don't know when he's going to be healthy. And not just, it's not just a matter of this injury, right? Um, he has an, in- an extensive injury history at this point. Uh, you add this on top mm-hmm. of everything. Uh, well, you know, you really don't know how, he's, how, how, how long, how much, how well he's going to be able to hold up over freaking five years of being paid 10 and a half mil. Yeah. Yeah, we look through. We're gonna get into it more when we go through our uh, expansion picks. But there are a lot of players that are probably tempting for Seattle to some degree. Of like very good players or pretty good players that range anywhere from slightly overpaid to wildly overpaid, and we're not even gonna consider uh, slightly overpaid guys like you know Jordan Everly who's exposed, Jason Zucker, Nino Niederreiter, James Van Riemsdyk. Where it's like, oh, all these guys. Yeah, any of them could be a nice addition. We literally can't take all of them, and it's probably not smart to take uh, at least a fair amount of them. 
that's a really interesting uh, thing with this expansion draft is a lot of teams, including I think especially Montreal, the price kind of playing chicken with their uh, with their big contracts of pretty important players who are just kind of overpaid. The other Habs news, the big one, well, the other big one, I guess, from earlier in the week, which now feels like the small one, is that Shea Weber is looking like he's going to miss the entirety of next season at least due to knee slash ankle injuries and potentially he's going to have to be forced into retirement because of it a lot of people were remembering i remember too i think was it like i think december 2019 or maybe a little bit after that where nick kiprios actually had a report like shea weber's injuries are very serious uh he his career might be done and everyone was like what are you talking about this is out of nowhere and then he was back a couple weeks later i think if if you know we're we're taking this second report seriously from earlier this week. Maybe Kiprios was onto something, and maybe even they were floating it around in the Canadians organization. Whoever was like, "No, it's I'm going to come back. I'm going to try some more. I'm going to play more on my my busted lower body." And now, finally, time has maybe caught up with him. Yeah. Um. So it seems like it's really just been an accumulation of all sorts of injuries, uh, and it's just really kind of worn down on his body. I think it started with like the foot injury that he had. A co- was it two, three years back? Um, that was, I think it was very serious at that point. And like the recovery didn't go completely as planned. And like the surgery was kind of risky and they didn't really do that in hockey players. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like uh, he's been a quote unquote warrior. Uh, and he's kind of been soldiering through these injuries the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, that takes its toll. You can't do that forever, especially as he heads into, you know, the, the upper echelons in terms of age. Uh, and... Yeah, it seems like uh, it, it's finally catching up to him. I assume that this time around, since it's, it's it's significantly more widely reported, that there is a real, you know, potentially a threat to his career, certainly for uh, at least this upcoming season. And yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sucks for him. I mean, what, you, you go back to right after uh, the Habs got eliminated and all these players, uh, like they, they huddled around two camps, right? Some of them huddled to control Price. A lot of them went to go and console Weber. And one aspect of that is obviously he won't get that many kicks that a can. But maybe with this news in mind, you know, maybe they knew, right? Uh, maybe they knew that this guy's injuries were really taking its toll on them. And, you know, it's not just a matter of uh, age, but really like how long, how much longer can he go? It might be no more, right? Um, it might be the end of his career. And so, you know, they, you, you look at that moment with a, with a bit of a different perspective uh, now that you know this. Um, yeah, so moving forward, if assuming that he's at least out for this year and they can put him on LTIR, I mean, that's that certainly presents a very interesting cap situation for the Habs because, uh, yeah, I've railed about this contract forever and ever. It sucks. Five more years, uh, almost $8 million. Uh, there was no end in sight. And, you know, it. I guess it's yet to see, you know, we're, we don't know just how long he's going to be out um, and whether he eventually will make his comeback. Um, but if he doesn't, I mean, this basically wipes away that entire contract. Uh, and, you know, I know this isn't that period. UFA period isn't, uh, we haven't gotten it going yet. But the one thought that's been dominating my mind ever since this news has come out was that if Weber truly is done, and I don't have to think about that god-awful contract again, you know, first of all, that would, that would, that would suck for Weber, and I'd feel for him. Absolutely. Uh, but just cap situation-wise, um, Doggy Hamilton, you got to go get him. I mean, we don't know how much he's going to get. Probably $9 million. That's only a $1 million raise over See? Shea Weber. And uh, Weber fucking sucks shit. And Dougie Hamilton doesn't. 
He's an absolute superstar. And so, you know, moving forward, that's one target I'm looking at. Uh, you know, Weber's situation, if, if, if it really is the end of his career, I'm going all in. That's who I want, and I'll be disappointed if it's anything less. All right. I agree with you on some things. Uh, one thing I don't agree with you on. Okay, so as much as we have, you know, criticized Sherry Weber's uh, terrible contract and how poorly it has aged and would have continued to age or st- still may if Sherry Weber comes back. But he was still a good defenseman. Like, he was still a top-four defenseman for sure, especially, like, uh, I was really amazed how, especially in the finals, he appeared to be playing, like, probably the best hockey he's played of the entire season. He was really putting it all out there, you know, as a figure of speech or whatever. Dougie Hamilton, of course, you know, it'd be amazing to have him. I don't even think he's going to get $9 million. He absolutely would be worth a $9 million AAV for at least the next five years probably for whatever reason maybe he said he likes to go to museums instead of hanging out at the steakhouse the steakhouse for guys night out uh he'd rather go look at nice pieces of art hockey men don't seem to be so enamored with him uh they probably prefer like seth jones or something like that but so dougie hamilton i feel like is probably gonna get around the eight range maybe eight and a half i'd be totally willing to give him nine and that 100% would be a massive upgrade on Shea Weber. But even if it isn't Hamilton, Shea Weber is a massive hold that you still have to address in this lineup, especially if you end up losing like Brett Kulak in the expansion draft. And all of a sudden next year, what defenseman do you have uh, under contract? Petrie, Sherratt, Edmonton, Romanov, uh, Kale Fleury, Xavier Ouellette, Matthias Norlander. It's pretty bleak. Pretty bleak without Weber, especially if you end up losing Kulak too. So even if it isn't Hamilton, you need to find good defensemen to to step into that top four role. That's fair. That's fair. But I, I think you might be clouded on this whole Weber thing with a bit of recency bias. I mean, he was fucking bad the regular season. He looked completely washed. Uh, and he was like, we're talking about how this guy was like a third pairing defenseman. Did he step it up in the playoffs? Absolutely he did. But can, do I believe that, especially like moving forward, um... Or no, even even just this past season. Even this past season, he was not particularly instrumental to the Habs' success in the regular season. And I didn't really envision what him success? as a big part of the Habs' future. Um, yeah, that's right. Success in quotation marks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I mean, look, if, if they do lose Kulak, that, that it, those are holes that you need to fill. But the reality is you got a whole bunch of new money to play with to fill those holes. I mean, if, we're, if Kulak's off the books, I think he's what? A bit over a million dollars. So now we're talking about almost $9 million to fill a couple of holes, maybe even three guys if you want to bring some depth competition. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's tough to find good defensemen, but, I mean, it, it, the, you asked me the answers right there. You said you, you just freaking offered the whole, the whole back up the Brinks truck for Dougie Hounds. You got to do it. We got nice museums here. Go to the freaking Museum of Beaux-Arts. Uh, I'm sure he'd enjoy that. Um, so, Dougie Hamilton. Full go. That's the dream. Bring him here. He does feel like the type of guy that would be turned off by uh, the the Montreal spotlight, but uh, I don't care. Give him an extra 500000 and I'm sure he'll get over it. Anyway, uh, the other Habs news, um, their new official head coach, Dominic Ducharme, and also Luke Richardson, uh, shock of the world, three-year extensions for both of them. They're locked in. Uh, no, no surprise at all. I don't think we even need to discuss it that much. Do you have any thoughts about these these contracts? No, not really. I mean, this was this is always gonna happen. I do have some resistance to it, as I have this entire time with this guy, because uh, he looks fucking lost, especially compared, especially with these lineup decisions. But he did bring them to the Cup final, so this was always to be expected. 
Um, apparently it's like under two mil, so you know, not big, not too big of a financial commitment there. And three yeah, years. Yeah, who cares about that that's anyway? Not too long. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no comment there. It's just uh, hopefully he can freaking get it together in terms of those uh, lineup decisions. Maybe evaluate those players a bit better, especially the young ones. Um, but uh, it remains to be seen. I'm not too optimistic, but who knows? It might work out like it did for the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I think we can now talk about uh, the biggest trades that have happened over the past week. Um, we're not going to talk about all of them because there were a lot. We don't have time. We are going to talk about the big ones. I was very pleased with the amount of activity yesterday uh, right after is mostly when it leaked the trade, the expansion draft trade freeze. Cause you'll remember four years ago through the Vegas expansion draft, there was a lot of hype, like all oh, and we so much movement leading to the deadline. And then it was like San Jose trades Mirko Mueller to New Jersey. Yay. And this time there actually was a lot of activity. Um, but let's go back even a couple days before that to a trade that we have not gotten the chance yet. We haven't been so fortunate to talk about Duncan Keith officially being sent from the Chicago Blackhawks along with Tim Soderlund to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for Caleb Jones and a third round pick with no salary retained. I imagine everyone who listens to us somewhat regularly uh, has an idea of what we're both going to say about this trade. Tysay, why don't you go first? All right. I mean, what is this clown doing? What is Ken Holland up to? What the heck is, you know, oh boy, this is like getting, you know, the uh, cup ring veterans, whatever, on steroids. I mean, 38-year-old Duncan Keith, who's who's been running to the ground and washed out in Chicago, playing minutes that he shouldn't be playing on a role that he shouldn't be playing on. It's in over his head there. And they bring him in, and they're going to slot him in a defense where he's going to be probably playing around the same role. Uh, and... But, the, you know, like the trade itself, asset, asset value-wise, if you ignore the cap hit, which is the big thing, and we're not going to, but if you were going to, you know, Keith for Jones and a third is eh, a loss for Edmonton, but it's not so egregious until you realize that you have to pay Doug and Keith $5.5 million for two years. I mean, you should to, to absorb that contract, you should not be paying anything. They should be paying you. It should be like an Andrew Ladd kind of situation here um, where, you know, Chicago sends you a bunch of shit to take this god-awful contract. I mean, if I look at Ladd's contract, what was it? He was like $5.5 million for two years, right? Now he's less. $4.3 million for two years. And Keith is no good. Ladd is no good. He's injured and all that. And he doesn't, probably won't play another game in the NHL. But Keith is not good at all. Uh, and, you know, at best, third-pairing defenseman. That, like, in terms of asset allocation, this makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, he sucks. Duncan Keith sucks now. He was five. He was wondering. He was a Hall of Famer back like five years ago or six, seven years ago. Not anymore. Ken Holland. Uh, tried to wake up a little bit, and uh, you know, especially in this flat cap, it's just, the salary cap. It's so important. Just how how much how are you going to allocate your assets? And if you're going to spend five and a half million dollars over two years on freaking Duncan Keith, and you're giving up a third round pick, and you know, middling defenseman Caleb Jones. Oh my God. Um. I don't know what he's doing. He's just clearly clouded by the hockey men, the hockey men mentality. This because this is nonsense, just objectively. From every angle you can look at this trade, it's a massive loss for the Edmonton Oilers. And more, maybe I think the massive loss part is less important than just the fact that it's a revelation of Ken Holland's stupidity. And a lot of that did come through in the in the press conference he had afterward when people were asking, you know, to you know, well, what's your justification? What's your reasoning? And basically, he he could have just gone like, oh, you know, 
leadership veteran presence or he's going to help train our young players and everyone been like whatever instead you start citing all the awards he won six plus years ago and it's like cool what has he done since 2016 oh nothing interesting and people started asking him like uh oh why why did you not uh have chicago retain any salary and he basically rolled his eyes and was like well then i would have had to pay more and it's like yeah negotiate so that you don't have to (laughs) and if it's and if it's still an overpayment, then don't make the trade. Because Edmonton had 100% of the leverage. Duncan Keith asked to trade out to one of four teams. Edmonton was his top choice. There's literally no reason for the Oilers to to pay at all or pay any more than you have to. Because at any second, they would have, and they should have, walked away from the steal and said, no, the price isn't right. We're not going to make it happen. And then if Chicago really wanted to do right by Duncan Keith and send him to his top choice, they would have absolutely said, okay, we'll lower our price. Or they would have just sent him to another team. And the others would have been like, oh, whatever. We don't have Duncan Keith. It's not a big deal. He's Duncan Keith. And so basically they've acquired a bad player on a negative value contract with a no movement clause uh, in exchange for two assets with some value. And not Ken Holland and that press conference just felt like so like, oh, why do I have to deal with you media people? Who why can't you just accept that I made this and then he was like, Oh yeah, Chris Chelios was really old when I acquired him too, and he was great. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, oh great. I won another and like even Jim Matheson was like, when Zidano Char was thirty eight, he was still playing like top parent minutes. And it's like, wow, since other players were good at thirty eight, then this one has to be too interesting. Uh, that logic makes obviously no sense that oh well you know when i was was 12 years old i i don't even know where i'm going with this but you get the you the out the metaphor that would, would have made if i put more thought into it would have made perfect sense of course your turn um and yeah some of the media members i don't know like how could he be drinking the kool-aid that hard i mean in edmonton the, it's insane in edmonton they always are <laughs> it's crazy Zach Cassian, Josh lucky. Archibald, they love him. <laughs> what in the world? Um, but yeah, I think really the understated point here in terms of like uh, the trade value and how poorly the Oilers failed, uh, fared is really that Keith like requests to be traded in that only in that geographic area, right? Um, and I think he had a, he does have a no movement clause, and so he had all the leverage to go to you know Edmonton or like three other teams. And Edmonton still gave up assets for that. They had all the leverage. Or they could have just walked away. And then Chicago's list of teams that they could trade Duncan Keith to would have been, you know, shrunk by 25%. Um, and, and who knows how willing the other teams were willing to trade for Duncan Keith. Probably not very, because he sucks. Uh, so, yeah, it's just... I, <laughs> man, Ken Holland needs to learn to negotiate. That's, that's all it is, because uh, he got absolutely fleeced here. Just giving up anything at all. You should not have. And now they have to protect him. Not not that there was, you know, guys that they that they really needed to protect anyways, because that roster kind of sucks, but like, you know, he fucking sucks. It's it's remarkable. The biggest trade from yesterday was a three way deal. Nashville made the excellent decision, in my opinion, to trade Ryan Ellis to the Philadelphia Flyers for Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick, and then to flip Nolan Patrick to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Cody Glass. Uh, let's start, let's start with the Flyers, um, who got Ellis and lost Patrick and Myers. On one hand, 
Ryan Ellis is by far the best player in this deal. Philip Myers is like an okay second-bearing defenseman. And Nolan Patrick, of course, hasn't really panned out due uh, at least somewhat, probably in large part, to the migraine issues he's had to deal with. He could definitely still potentially bounce back, but he hadn't really ever found his groove in the NHL, former second overall pick. So in the immediate term, the Flyers have definitely gotten significantly better. On the other hand, that Ellis contract is uh it's it's scary because it's six more years at six point seven five million per year, and he's already thirty years old. And that's one reason I was uh I was kind of going back and forth a bit on how well Nashville did on this return. Yeah, so look, I I think if you like, first of all, if I'm Nashville, I don't really like this return for them. You know, frankly. Um, I think they could have gotten way more if they had just traded him at the deadline. Um, and you know, I, I know they wanted to, whatever they were going on a little hot streak there and they made the playoffs and whatnot. Um, but I don't think it was worth it in the end. I mean, this is, this is a guy who right now I understand his contract is long and expensive, but right now he's like a bona fide top four defenseman. You could play him on the first pair realistically and he'd hold up. Oh, for sure. He's a top pairing right now. Exactly. And so... There's a shit ton of value in that in the NHL, right? Um, and to get, right, in the end, after they did all the flipping, they get Cody Glass, who, you know, sure, like sixth overall pick, but that was four years ago, and his development hasn't gone as well as, uh, you know, Vegas had hoped. And so, you know, this almost feels like, you know, like this kind of gives like reclamation project vibes. At least that straight up Patrick for, for Glass trade kind of gives like, okay, maybe they need a bit of a fresh start in terms of development. It hasn't gone as well as we'd hoped for, especially given their, you know, draft pedigree. And so, you know, maybe straight up Glass for Patrick, sure, fine. Um, but but to, 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 to get only that for Ryan Ellis, I really don't like it. I think they should have gotten more. Um, and I think that's, I don't know if the offers were there right now. But I think they should have traded him at the deadline. They sure would have gotten a hell of a lot more, I think. Um, especially since, you know, this roster, we're going to look at their expansion list. It fucking sucks. Um, and so they really, this is time to rebuild. Um, there's nobody left that's good. I mean, it's it's, it's time to go. Uh, and they should have sold off and gotten some real future assets. Because Cody Glass, while, you know, he's got, you know, potential, that potential is significantly decreased by the fact that he's, you know, already, what, 21, 22 years old, um, especially when you compare it with, you know, potentially a first-round pick, um, which you could absolutely gun for Ryan Ellis. So, in that sense, I think it's uh, questionable. Uh, and for the Flyers, yeah, that contract is kind of scary. It is scary. It's not kind of scary. It is scary. But, you know, they're they're trying to contend right now. They had a bad year last year, but... If they're they're in a contending window, given like you know the age of all their players, they're going. Uh, and so I don't hate this deal. I think they did pretty well, especially only giving up a guy like Patrick. They didn't have to sell the farm or anything. Uh, and for Vegas, it, it's that this is what I was saying. You know, for them, it's just straight up Cody Glass for Nolan Patrick. And you know, it's a rec- it's it's kind of a reclamation project deal. You know, it wasn't completely working out with Glass. Let's get a guy in who I mean, same draft, um, even higher pick, right? So uh, yeah, that yeah. that that's where I stand with all three teams. Mm-hmm. I like the return for Nashville better than you do. Um, and part of that is because, I mean, Ryan Ellis, I think I saw Jay Fresh say like, oh, he'd been an excellent top pairing defenseman. This year was kind of a down year for him. And I was like, hmm, he's 30. Isn't this kind of, you know, the age where a lot of players kind of start to decline? And this trade really does kind of confirm what the Victor Arvidsson trade indicated, which is that, oh, is Nashville going to rebuild? Yes, they absolutely are. And when you want to do a proper rebuild, rebuild, you absolutely can't have contracts like Ryan Ellis's on the books. And if they have sat on 
And if they sat on this for like another year, another two years, maybe even a little more, it would have absolutely gotten less and less and less valuable. And you're not trying to contend to this window. So they got Philip Myers. He's okay. And I give, I, I really think Cody Glass is going to maybe take some people by surprise in uh, in Nashville. Cause I've been kind of waiting for his breakout in Vegas for a while. And you look at even just his raw point totals, like in the American hockey league, uh, they're very good. He had 10 points in 14 games this year. And in the NHL, he played 27 games this year, four, four goals, six assists, uh, 10 points. And that's not excellent, but he barely got any ice time. He definitely did get any power play time. And he, has so much untapped offensive potential that he, you know, really showed off in junior and even to some degree in the American Hockey League that I really think Nashville, if they deploy him properly and put him in an increased role, uh, he's 22 and that could be a, a decent piece to uh, to build around and have as a part of your team moving forward. So I, I don't think of him as just this, uh, you know, reclamation project. Oh, let's see if he works out. I think there's a very good chance he, he grows into maybe like a top six forward. Okay, I think, you know, like, I think he possibly tops out as a middle six guy. And, I mean, look, that's the thing, right? There's there's a lot of uncertainty with this guy because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't followed the development chart that you would love. Now, like, I'm not saying he's a complete bust right now, but there is a chance of that because, you know, he he's a six overall pick and his development, while has been, it's been fine, right? It hasn't been excellent. Um, especially, like, you know, you compare it to other guys in the draft class. Uh, and... Yeah, where was I going with this? I was gonna say I, you know, I, I, I would have hoped that Nashville would have gotten more. I'm not saying you know he's a negative or nothing, Cody, Cody Glass, but for a guy like Ryan Ellis, and and yeah, my, my major beef with Nashville is that they didn't do it earlier. That's what it really is. I mean, right now that you know better now than never, or not, you know now than later. Um, late than and never. I guess they got what they could, but yeah, exactly, better late than never. But they should have done That's this at the, the trade deadline. And uh, I mean that's that's my major beef, and and the fact that right now the return is what I would consider disappointing for a guy of Ryan Ellis's caliber is uh was is my sticking point with this deal. All right, uh, so I guess we can kind of we can talk a little about other trades, or but we'd probably get to them as we went through the the list anyway. Uh, Colorado traded Ryan Graves to New Jersey. Uh, they weren't going to protect him. Vancouver gets Jason Dickinson. From Dallas for a third round pay. He'll probably fit nicely with them. Uh Nick Letty to the Red Wings. Andrew Ladd to the Coyotes as a captain for some draft picks. Uh any thoughts on any of those blockbusters? Uh like for the Nick Letty one, what 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 is Detroit doing? Like, he's not very good anymore. And you're giving up a second round pick for him? And panic in your retaining salary on this guy? Um, it's like, it sure seems like you're helping the Islanders out here and you're doing them a solid, um, because I didn't think Nicoletti had that much value, especially with that contract, uh, and with the Islanders desperately needing to shed cap space, that one was a bit of a head scratcher with Eisman there. What are you doing? Give up a whole ass second round pick for that. Yeah, that one was weird. Uh, they did have a gaping hole on, uh, on left defense, but there were definitely other ways to fill that one. And the other big one, Jared McCann. Which I feel like we can maybe talk about this one a little more when we get to the Leafs and the expansion list, because that looked like an excellent trade for the Maple Leafs and a great fit with their team. And all of a sudden now, he's probably going to get taken by the Kraken, I would say. Yeah. So they got him for Philip Hollander, who I think, yeah, they did acquire from the Penguins. And what, what trade was it? Kapanen. Um, it was a Kapanen trade. Okay. 
Uh, so yeah, Holland goes back to the Penguins and a seventh round pick. And so for, you know, a solid, very solid middle six forward like Jeremy McCann, that's a, that's a great freaking price. And he's being paid under $3 million. Uh, so yeah, you know, off the bat, it looked like the Leafs got a steal. Uh, the Penguins, who knows what the hell they're doing. Uh, even their expansion list kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, and so, you know, it seems like things are all topsy-turvy over there in Pittsburgh. But for the Leafs, it sure seemed like, well, that's that's fantastic. Um, and they get to really bolster their center depth. And we assume that he'd be protected. And But lo and so, like, do we do we mention the expansion list right now, I guess? Let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. When we get to Toronto, we'll probably pick up this McCann trade some more. Um, but let's start going through our teams. I think it's time All right. that we that we drafted. So basically, uh, I got home from work today. I at like I don't know five forty five or so, or a little earlier than that. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to make an expansion team. And I went through it. I kind of just went off the top of my head, team by team. Oh, I think this guy's the most valuable. And I went to the top and I was like, oh, I'm one defenseman short of the minimum. And also I'm a million dollars over the cap. Let me try again. Uh, so I've made some adjustments. And now I've got a team that I think is uh, absolutely at least the third best in the Pacific Division. Uh, it wasn't too hard uh, with, you know, how the quality of that division. So do you want to go like in alphabetical order, Anaheim, Arizona, Boston? That sound good? Yeah, sure. Sounds good to me. Cool. So why don't you start us off with your your ducks pick or if you have any other pre-thoughts no not really frankly uh it was a very busy day for me so we're kind of winging it as we go here um but uh yeah we'll make for an exciting oh you team. haven't even made a team if yet? i oh i haven't even made a team yet nope oh um, wow. oh so... you didn't even i thought you were gonna be all prepared and everything yeah but and yet again we'll see like so first of all we have to decide are we gonna score this thing based on how accurate it is Oh, I I wasn't trying to be accurate. I was just making my own picks. Okay, I guess we right. could. So I guess sure, we'll compare not? teams. Oh, all right. Or okay. I guess we'll just see for fun. But let's not make it an official competition or anything. <laughs> you you don't want to take another L. Um, understandable. Okay. All right. Um, so let's see. So we'll start with the Ducks. No one particularly good on the Ducks. I mean, in terms of taking uh, who you would take. Uh, well. So, well, okay, so the big confusing decision here for the Ducks is that they protected Nick Delorier. Um, Cavs legend. Which, uh, why the fuck would you do that? Uh, he sucks. He's a fourth liner. He's an absolute scrub. He was a scrub on the Habs, and he's, like, 30 years old. Um, that's a bit of a head-scratcher there. And so instead, like, you know, a guy that they probably should have protected uh, was Danton Heinen, um, who is significantly younger and just straight-up better. And so that's where I'll go with my Ducks pick. My next pick, I went with uh, defenseman Hayden Fleury, who they got from the Hurricanes at this trade deadline. I was like, oh, really? they're going to get him and give up like a late round pick and then not protect him. I still think he, uh, you know, he was pretty good for the Hurricanes on their bottom pair. So I think, and he's uh, cheaper than Heinen as well. I think he's like 1.3 million. That was my selection. All right. So, uh, so next is we got Arizona. Um, yikes. <laughs> uh so yeah not not much to see here um you could go i mean i don't really want anything to do with the goalies going down then there uh you know anti rant is ufa i don't know why the heck you'd, you'd draft him uh nothing too promising on the defenseman end at all and so let's look at the forwards i mean it's kind of it's kind of bare bones this team sucks um 
I think I'm gonna go Christian Fisher. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'll stick. There's nobody else I'd really nobody else I really want. Um, there was a team that Seattle had to say I'm gonna skip. It's either this or Arizona, this or Buffalo. It's no surprise. Oh, it's Buffalo for sure. Okay. Arizona, yeah. like at least Christian Fisher is like, yeah, he's a decent player on a decent contract. Buffalo doesn't have any of those. Literally, none of them are exposed. Anyway, Arizona, I didn't. My my initial pick was Fisher. Then I had to go back and switch one of my forwards to a defenseman. So I ended up switching that one to Ilya Lyubushkin, uh, probably uh, also similarly to Hayden Fleury, a third pairing defenseman. So my third pair after two teams, all set. All right, excellent. Okay, you want to get started on on Boston? Sure. Uh, but this one was interesting. Uh, they're like, who do they have available? Jeremy Lozon, Andre Kasha, Nick Ritchie was the one that stood out to me though. I was surprised they protected Trent Frederick instead of him, uh, because he's an RFA right now, and he was also very good in the playoffs. Um, so Nick Ritchie, that was my pick. All right, yeah, for me it's uh, it's back and forth between Kasha and Ritchie. Um, but I mean Ritchie's, they're both RFAs. Ritchie was just paid. Uh, he's coming off of a smaller contract, so I assume he's gonna get, he's gonna be cheaper. Um, do I'm looking at their defenseman? Eh, nobody I really want there. I mean, you could go Lazan, but he's kind of he's all right. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, who do I think? Okay, so if I'm doing a little predict, and I'm gonna do a little predicting here, um, who do I think Seattle might take? Uh, hmm, you know what? I'll take the defense. This is why I'm, we I'm prepare beforehand. That's true. That's an excellent point. Um, all right, I'll take Lozon. Um, coming from the defense, huh. he's young. Interesting. I think they'll, they'll take a shot All right. Yeah, I really don't think they're gonna they're gonna take uh Kasha. He played three games this year. Before that, uh, he played like he's played nine games with the Bruins since they acquired him like a year and a half ago. He's constantly injured. Anyway, um, Buffalo, I'm going to go with uh Dustin Tokarski. That's that was my pick from the Sabers. Uh, <laughs> first of all. The most valuable exposed skater on Buffalo is like William Borgen, and I think but I think Seattle's probably going to want to do what uh what Vegas did, in that like I right, will have like you know a good starter, a good backup. There's no real need to waste picks on any other NHL caliber goalies. Uh, when you know if we have a logjam in net, then you know are we going to be able to trade one or two of them? Maybe, but we probably won't get much from teams that know we're desperate to shed them. So when Buffalo doesn't really have any other good options, might as well go for a solid third string goalie who can, you know, he'll clear waivers and play on your minor league team. Yeah. At this point, like, Oh my God, this team sucks. Um, there's really nobody you, there's nobody that anybody wants to take. Um, I'd even consider taking a UFA and just calling it a day. Um, <laughs> But wait, they can't do that, right? Like, is the only way that you can take a UFA is that you sign them during the signing period and then you declare it afterwards? Or can you just say, no, we're going to take this UFA? Yeah, you can just claim one and then hold on to his rights for like the extra two days and then lose him if you want to. Right. But, yeah, well, with Buffalo, wouldn't be such a big loss. Um, I mean, look, I, you look at Jeff Skinner, who they got to waive his contract, his no movement. Uh, he fucking sucks. Worst contract in the league up there in the running. Oh my goodness. Um, we were just talking about that the other day. Uh, like, who do I want? Ah. Um, if you wanted center depth, you could go Cody Eakin, but he's kind of shit. Um, oh, he's terrible. Yeah. So who the hell? There's nobody. Do I go for Drake Kajula? 
He's in the like, UFA. He's, he's a UFA. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. This is awful. This is this is truly the cream of the crop. Awful. Um, Make okay. your pick. All right. I've made my decision. This is agony. <laughs> Just contemplating who I'm going to take from Do the Sabres. Do Drake a Drula? Oh, no. He's a UFA. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take uh, this dude named William Borgen because he's an RFA cool. and he's 24. So, cool. All right. So far, I think we've agreed on zero picks. I imagine that's about to change with Calgary. We've exposed their captain, Mark Giordano, and he's by far the most appealing exposed player on this team. Uh, I think, you know, we've talked about like, oh, some great exposed players uh, who are making a lot of money. But uh, out of all the ones that Seattle might take, this this one appears to be pretty close to a sure thing. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Um, I mean, didn't he just come off Norris votes uh, last season? Uh, so yeah, not much to say here. Well, I was like two. Year- I mean, you- he won the Norris. I think uh, was it like three seasons ago now. Okay. I think that was eighteen nineteen. All right. Um. So you know, you slap the captaincy on this guy, and then you call it a day. Um. Sounds good to me. Only one season at this level. You get him to be happy, and then you resign him for a lower rate potentially. Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I was I was very tempted to go with uh, Nino Niederreiter, who's pretty good. Uh, but the fact that he is slightly overpaid, I was like, eh, I'll go with Jake Bean, promising young defenseman, who I'm still very convinced will flourish if he got a chance in a top four role. Yeah, I agree with that pick. Um, and I'm taking Bean too. Um, I'm really loading up on defensemen here. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got a ton of potential. He's only 23. And uh, yep, let's go. From the Blackhawks, I picked uh, recent acquiree Adam Gaudet, uh, which would basically amount to them losing Matthew Highmore. Remember that one for one from the trade deadline. So uh, that wouldn't be too bad for the Blackhawks, I imagine. Okay, who the hell do I take from this team? Jesus Christ. Um, okay. I'm going to say Seattle takes. So Malcolm, I'm going to take. I'm going to think they take Malcolm Subban. Uh, it's kind of in a Dustin Dustin Tokarski role, third string goalie. Subban gets to be on his second expansion team. Congratulations! Uh, and yeah, but there's not much to see here in uh in Chicago. Yeah, the first time Malcolm Subban wasn't actually claimed by Vegas, he was picked up on waivers right as the season started. So slightly different circumstances if that were to go down. Colorado. This this list was interesting. I thought um, that they decided to protect with uh, protect Logan O'Connor. Instead of JD Comfer or Jonas Donskoy. And this is where I started thinking about, like, hmm, I guess this kind of is the year of, like, do it, Seattle. Take our pretty good but slightly overpriced uh, players. And uh, I th- honestly think Seattle would be happy to take either one of them. I ended up giving the edge to JD Comfer just because he's a little cheaper, a couple years younger, and can play center. Yeah. And that's not to say, and look, Gabriel Landeskog, who is a UFA this year. He's left exposed because Colorado couldn't seem to get the the negotiations going. Apparently, they weren't very close, and he's kind of pissed off about that. And so, if they if Seattle can come in and offer him a fat load of money, um, that could be potentially a, a landing spot. But they would have to agree to contract. I'm not going to assume that's going to happen. Um, sorry, did you say Comfort or Donsko in the end? I picked Comfort. Okay, yeah, I I'll pick the same. He's cheaper uh, and he's younger. Uh, ah, you know what? I'll go Donsko. I think he's slightly better. So, uh. Yeah, there's and you know, <laughs> last minute switch. Right. So, uh, and uh, we love a little spice. So, I'm gonna go Jonas Donskoy. 
Is there a chance you're suffering from I don't want to pick the same thing that Alex picked bias? Perhaps. You know, I'm trying. I'm all trying right. to. I'm trying to score the win here, even if it's not official. Yeah. All right. You take the all lead right. for these next few, because my picks are already set okay. in stone. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, next up, we got Colorado, uh, Columbus. Very interesting decision here to leave recent tradee Max Domi, who you know obviously just got traded from the Habs last season, uh, who uh, was not a success in Columbus to say the least, um, both injury wise, but also. Uh, on ice success uh so uh you know he's on the table to he's got another year left at 5.3 million dollars uh man that's that's it's interesting if i'm seattle like if for me i don't like max domi i wouldn't take him um but then again columbus kind of sucks too so is there anybody really i'd want to take uh not really no not really uh so you know one year reclamation project kind of thing He's got skill. Probably can't put it together, but I'll pick Max Domi. Yeah, in my first run through, I picked Max Domi. I was like, yeah, I don't like him. He's a little overpaid, but he's a pretty decent offense driver. And he's and, and if you don't want to have actually have him play for your team, you're going to have to trade some of these players. Max Domi's probably a decent candidate. Then in my second run through, when I was like, eh, I need to you know save a little cap space. Fuck it. Uh, no Max Domi. Let's take Dean Kukan. Why don't we? Dean Kukan, another good bottom pairing defenseman. Loading up. Loading up on my third pair of guys, Dean Kukan. That was my pick. All right. Uh, moving on, we go into to uh, Dallas. Hmm. So a lot of people have been saying, right, because uh, Ben Bishop waived his no movement clause, um, that a lot of people have been protecting him over there. Um, not much else. I mean, they got rid of Dickinson because they weren't able to protect him. Um, well, uh, my cap situation, I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, we don't know how healthy he is. I take the risk though, uh, because the goalie market's very thin uh, this year in the expansion market. So Ben Bishop, roll the dice. Yep. Ben Bishop is my pick too. Uh, it's looking like he's on the right track to be recovered, if not for the start of next season, then pretty early on into it. And when he's healthy, uh, he has not really had any sort of decline, even though he's already thirty-four. He signed for a very reasonable number, about four point nine million, uh, for just two more years. And that is a a very good starting goalie. I would say pretty much definitely the best one that uh, that's been exposed. And as you say, not much else is that appealing at all on, on Dallas. Yeah. Okay, moving on. We're on to Detroit. Uh, another roster because they're rebuilding. Nothing too good to look at here. Um, so I will take Vladislav Nemesnikov cheap. Um, and uh, he's still under contract for another year. He's 28. Maybe he can figure it out. I mean, yeah, that's it. I went with a player who's cheaper and better than Vladislav Nemesnikov. Troy Stetcher, defenseman, who I was very I was pretty surprised. I wouldn't say very surprised to see exposed. Wait, let me see the list. What other defenseman did they uh did they protect? I don't do you have the list in front of you? What defenseman did the Red Wings protect? Uh let me Pull up the list. Ooh, yeah, wait. Oh, I've got it here, actually. Uh, yeah, they protected Nick Letty, Gustav Lindstrom, and Philip Bronick. I was surprised they protected Gustav Lindstrom. I know he's only 22, but he's like a uh, fringe player at best instead of the established Troy Stetcher. Uh, so, yeah, I think that would be a pretty nice fit with the Seattle Kraken. All right. Um, on to Edmonton. Um. 
another pretty barren roster. You look at their defense. Um, Oscar Clefbaum, uh, but he we don't know if he's ever going to come back to play hockey. He's out for the next season. Um, hmm. Where the heck do I go here? Uh, all right, we'll go. I don't even know who signed. Eh. Do I go center death and draft fucking Kyle, Kyle Turris? Uh, eh. Oh, that'd be stupid. Yeah, yeah, it would. But I... all right, I'll go. Yeah, there's nobody really here, right? Eh? Unless you want to sign somebody. Uh, yikes. Okay. Uh, we'll go cheap. We'll go cheap because I need to kind of save on the cap space. So I'm gonna go Devin Shore. Devin Shore. It's weird. Yeah. Uh oh, they just signed into that extension. That's weird. I don't know. I would have gone with several other players before Devin Shore, including like Tyler Benson or William Lagason or Drew Jarkera. I ended up picking Clefbaum because I was like, Oh, I know he's injured. I nobody else on this team is appealing at all. Uh and I was like, if Clefbaum, you roll the dice on him, if he comes back fully healthy eventually you've got yourself a top pairing defenseman whereas like where's the high ceiling on anyone else there is none cleft bomb is uh, uh a home run swing for the fences pick here in the expansion draft yeah yeah but yeah he comes expensive at four well that's the thing right you can stash him on ltr that's the nice thing about yeah he's ltir until um, he's ready to go yeah that's true yeah that's okay that's a good point all right on to florida uh, that this one's easy because they already they already announced who they're going to take right. Um, uh, they're taking Chris Treasure. Sounds like they've what, already they signed, agreed to a contract there. So, yeah, they did. Um, I didn't see that. At least, that's, yeah, that's what I heard. Um, uh, apparently they were to an agreement. Uh, what? Let me pull up the score news on that one. Yeah. Uh, you can give huh. your expansion pick while I try to find the source. Um, well, but, uh, now I might need Treasure. to change my expansion pick. <laughs> and not only that, but I I might need to. Wait, yeah. Pierre Lebrun, July. So this was yesterday. All signs pointed to the Seattle Kraken signing and selecting pending UFA goalie Chris Treacher from the Florida Panthers. All right. Okay, time to change my pick. All right. My original pick, it was Frank Vitrano. I guess I can remove that one. But now that I know it's going to be Dreger and I've already taken Ben Bishop, I'm going to have to change my Minnesota pick too because I don't think they would take Capo Kakinen as well. But, like, who else is on the... Ah, whatever. All right, it's Chris Dreger now. Whatever. See if I care. <laughs> Time for some on-the-fly adjustments. All right, okay. So uh, as you contemplate your Minnesota decision, uh, I'm going to move on to the LA Kings, who, uh, yeah, not much to see here. Um, I'll pick... Uh, I need to, I need to save on the cap space, but I'm gonna go Ollie Mata instead. Uh, despite that, uh, because what? yeah, Ollie Mata. Yeah. What do you want? Oh, he's, he's only not got good one year though. Left on the contract. Yeah, but he's only 26. Who knows? Fresh start on a third team. Why the hell not? <sighs> who else Man, are you gonna pick? You're gonna be over the cap. Here's who else you're gonna pick. Blake Lazzotti. All right. Uh, still cheap. All right, $925,000 uh, against the cap next season. 23 years old, uh, good bottom six forward, uh, super, uh, very nice value, unlike oh, the overpaid negative value contract of Oli Mata. See, but that's the thing. Oli Mata's negative contract is up at the end of the year, and so you kind of roll the dice on the guy, and uh, you call it a day. All right, next up, we got uh, Minnesota Wild. And uh, I am going to take 
Capo Quackenden, because I was kind of surprised that they let him go um, or didn't protect him. Uh, and they protected Talbot instead, who's a UFA. Uh, and Kakanen showed he was an NHL uh, goalie this year. He's only 24. He's a bit inconsistent. Um, but he's going to be an RFA next year. Only 725 grand. Uh, yeah, add another goalie to the mix. Yeah, uh, I'll keep the Kakanen pick. Why not? So now we both have Bishop, Dreger, and Kakanen on our teams. Uh, and if, you know, they've agreed to this deal with Dreger... And Bishop, I think, would still have a no-move clause. This would probably mean Capo Kakinen is getting traded somewhere if uh, if they end up taking all three of those goalies. But I don't just don't see anyone else on Minnesota whose value comes close to what Capo Kakinen has. Like Nick Bugstad, Victor Rask, Carson Salsi. Like no thanks. Give me the uh, the twenty-four-year-old goalie who's already has a who has a pretty solid NHL track record. Yeah, exactly. And Kakinen, like that's that's so that that's an asset that's very very easy to trade, and you get a nice haul for that. Um, for because sure. Cap wise, he's nothing. Uh, and I mean, teams are always looking for a twenty four year old who's already shown to be capable of you know playing some stretches as a starting goalie because Talbot was injured uh, and he had COVID, I think, for a certain part of the year. So uh, yeah, Kakinen, uh definitely take him there. Um, next up, we got our Habs. Uh, and so the names that realistically could be taken would be you have Jonathan Drouin, you have Paul Byron, who's the other eligible for it to be exposed, but I don't think he's really, he's, there's no, he's not going to get taken. His contract sucks. He's 32. No freaking way. Um, yeah, they could go for, yeah. Can I stop you there? I think there's a better chance that, sorry, that Byron gets taken rather than Drouin. Uh, I think, I mean, they're both signed for the same amount of time. I think Drouin's contract is arguably worse. He's getting like 2.1 million more than Byron. He hasn't produced. And of course, we don't know what's going on with uh, the leave of absence. I'm sure if the Kraken wanted to take him, they would definitely do their due diligence on that situation. Uh, But I really, I might be more surprised if Drouin gets taken than if Price does. Really? Because I've heard like, you know. Yeah, like no. Drouin's got all that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I don't see him as being an appealing asset. Oh, Sorry. I don't think he's particularly appealing either. I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think Seattle's going to take him. I wouldn't take Jonathan Drouin. Uh, it's just a name that could realistically be taken. I wouldn't be completely shocked because there has been chatter. You know, he's all he's all that draft pedigree and he's got all that skill. But yeah, I agree. He's completely overpaid. We don't know if he's ever going to come back. Why would I do that if I'm Seattle? Um, so, yeah, Seattle could also try to get one of those EOFAs, Tatara to know. Um, or you could go Brett Kulak. Or you could go Carey Price, obviously. But as we discussed earlier, don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? So, Drouin's got all these question marks, big time question marks. Uh, and so, I think I'm going to go Kulak. He's, and I need my cap space is uh, screaming at me. Okay. To have a little, a little bit more uh, less expensive taste, so I'm gonna go there. It's a pretty safe option, uh, solid bottom four defenseman. Not much else. I love how I love how your picks in the first half of the alphabet are what's indicating the fact that you have to take less expensive players in the second half of the alphabet, uh, and it's not as if you can go back and change any previous ones because you're doing it on the fly. Anyway, I also picked Brett Kulak. Uh, because yeah, as you say, price, uh, scary contract. Jonathan Drouin, scary contract. Paul Byron, 
overpaid. You know who's not overpaid? You know who's pretty much paid exactly appropriately is Brett Kulak. Solid third pairing defenseman. My favorite type of player to draft in uh, in expansion. And so it was the Golden Knights' favorite too, and they traded a bunch of them. Uh, so there. We So now we're both preparing ourselves mentally for the Brett Kulak goodbye party out of Montreal. Heartbreaking. Wait, wait. Before we move on from Montreal, yep. I wanted to talk about this when we got here. The fact that Yol Armia is on the protected list, even though he's oh. a pending UFA. Because when I was going, I was going through before, like, all right, who's Montreal going to protect? I was even, I was talking like, are they going to go like four and four? Because otherwise, if they go seven and three, they're going to have to expose Duran and Byron to meet requirements. And the seventh forward would be like, who would it, would it be like, Lucas Vedamo? Laurent Faye? What? And it ended up that they decided to protect pending UFA, Yol Armia, instead of pending UFA, Philip Beno or Thomas Tatar. And I was like, does this mean they're like pretty sure they're losing Dano and Tatar, that they're not going to try to protect them? And I think that's the case. I just saw like after we already started recording a report from, uh, I don't remember, the uh, the writer Jonathan Bernier, not the goalie Jonathan Bernier, who was like, Philip Dano doesn't think he's going to be coming back to Montreal. He wants like a five or six year deal, five and a half million dollar AAV. They don't think they can make it work. So Dano probably not coming back. Tatar probably not coming back, which we already kind of knew. It's like, hey, Armia, why don't we, instead of, you know, wasting a spot on Laurent Dauphin or something, when, uh, you know, we wouldn't lose them anyway, uh, why don't we send a message to you all, Armia, like, hey, we'd love to have you back. We're going to use this expansion slot on you. Yeah, this sure, this sure seems a bit of a message sending more than anything. Um, and yeah, in terms of the likelihood of, uh, re-signing definitely shows that Armia is the, the highest one out of the three. Uh, and yeah, I mean, cool, I guess. I mean, there's nobody that they really missed out on, um, that you're, that, you know, could have used that spot. So, I mean, if you, you might as well put it to good use instead of protecting an absolute scrub. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a flag. Wouldn't call it a red flag, maybe a yellow flag, uh, but uh, yeah, it sure see, like remains to be seen whether he'll be resigned. But looks like he's doing it. Bergevin's doing a little pandering here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe they. I thought maybe they would have like worked out a an extension with Corey Perry for a year and then use the slot on him. I don't know. It just seemed very strange. Anyway, Nashville. Speaking of strange protected list, three forwards and five defensemen, which we saw coming. We even talked about it after the Arvidsson trade with this team. Uh, and not only that, you would think that a team that's protecting three forwards and five defensemen is leaving some good forwards exposed. The third forward they protected was Tanner Janot, who spent some time with the <laughs> ECHL literally this season. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, I think the Islanders were the only other team in the Ve- the only team in the Vegas expansion draft that went three forwards, five defensemen. And they had that wacky side deal with like Mikhail Grabowski and John Francois Berube and the first round pick. But anyway, uh, I look looking at this Nashville exposed players, uh, pretty slim pickings. I ended up going with Yakov Trenin, who I, I think uh, still has at least some degree of uh, offensive skill that maybe there's a higher ceiling there. All right. Yeah, it's uh, ain't shit here, um, to say the least. Yep. Uh, who do I take? I don't know. Matt Duchesne, um, Ryan Johansson? Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> so tantalizing. Um, okay, I'll go... Uh, <laughs> I'll go Yarncrock. Let's go Cali Yarncrock. Um, eh, sure. Well, is there a, yeah, sure. I mean, there's not much here. As you said, protect a guy like fucking Jeannot. 
with your third spot. It's a rough luck. Um, but uh, yeah, well, National's time to Boriki. rebuild there. I haven't really, I haven't really looked at uh, too closely. Maybe Mark Borowicki would make sense if they want you know a good guy leader boy person in there. Um, but yeah, I'll stick with Yakov Trenin. Why not? New Jersey Devils. PK Subban is exposed. I think it'd be hilarious if they worked out a side deal to send him to the Kraken, because uh, that would just be super fun to see PK on an expansion team. Uh, but obviously, if there's no side deal, Seattle is not touching that nine million dollars, even if it's just for one year. I decided to go with. Uh, Fringe player, RFA, 24 years old, acquired in the, the Taylor Hall trade, Nick Merkley. Okay. All right. Um, who will I go for? I mean, the, the I'm thinking Will Butcher, but he kind of sucks, and he's way overpaid. Uh, so I don't really want to go after that. Um, do I just go for one of these randos? Like, man. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. All right. We'll get it going. It's New Jersey already. Um, okay. I'll go for a young guy. Not particularly good, but neither is this entire list. So I'm going to go uh, David Quenville. Cheap. And uh, lets me give me that Quenville? cap flexibility down to the fast. Yeah. Are you getting any mixed I'm, up I'm, with I'm John Quenville? Oh, shit. I am. Yeah, this guy is like not anywhere close to an NHL player. <laughs> Whoops. Yikes. That's embarrassing. Um Yeah. Hmm. Alright. In that case I'll go with Nathan Bastion then. because uh, I know he's at least nice. playing an NHL game. And uh yeah, sounds good to me. He's got two yeah. more years at seven hundred K. Alright, time for the dumbest protected list that we've encountered so far. <laughs> New York Islanders. Okay, let's spend a minute talking about GM of the Year Lou Lamorello, back-to-back champion, and how he's decided to protect $1.5 million AAV until 2024 fourth liner Matt Martin and $3.5 million a year at AAV, I think just one year left, Cal Clutterbuck, also fourth liner, over the likes of top-line forward, both times you've made the conference finals in the past two years, Jordan Eberle making a, an extremely reasonable $5.5 million. And second line forward, both times you've made the conference finals in each of the past two years, Josh Bailey making $5 million, both of them until 2024. And part of it is like, okay, cap savings, you know, these are the big deals. And all right, maybe you can make the argument that Eberle and Bailey are a little bit overpaid. I happen to think those contracts, especially Eberle, are both quite reasonable. And if you are trying to shed cap, Cal Clutterbuck, $3.5 million, Matt Martin, one and a half, are both, even if, okay, how even if both those deals are reasonable too, which by the way, they aren't. The, both those players should be making less than that. To, to choose those guys instead of Kiefer Bellows or even the 1.375 million Richard Ponick, who you just acquired, instead of Martin and Clutterbuck. It's, it's, it's preposterous, especially when you think like Josh Bailey is making only $1.5 million more than Cal Clutterbuck for being a significantly better player. How is Clutterbuck the one you choose to protect in that situation? I don't understand. And all and I've picked I've chosen Jordan Everly. Uh he's he's a little better than Bailey, a little bit more expensive, but I mean he's a little bit better. He's a great driver of offense. 
And I mean, top line winger, no question about it. And so, you know, when you have a chance to add that in an expansion draft, you probably should. It surely goes to show just how hard Lou Lamorello is cal- uh, carried by Barry Trotz in, ter- in terms of uh, the narrative surrounding I thought him. you were going to say uh, this goes to show how hard he thinks all the time. <laughs> I mean, that too, right? Because he <laughs> way overthought this entire thing. Um, this shit should this have been a no-brainer. Do I expose Matt Martin or not? Um, that or right Jordan off the top Nardelli. of your head. Do I protect two fourth line players or do I protect my first line winger and my second line winger? I want to go with my. Uh, Lou Lamorello has now protected Matt Martin in two expansion drafts with different teams. Beautiful. Absolutely. Be- and this is, this is our GM of the year, folks. This is the state of the league. Um, yeah, there's no sense to it, is it? Because, you know, you could say, oh, okay, if they lose Everly or Bailey, oh, well, look at that. They lose. The cap hit, but like you know, come on, you could have absolutely traded these guys for a significant return in terms of like draft and, picks or prospects or whatever the hell you want. Yeah, and the price, the price of replacing them in the lineup at, at similar production is going to be like as much as they're made. You think you're going to get a player as good as Everly for cheaper that can replace him instantly? Good luck with that. Exactly. Um, it just it's mind boggling. This guy, this guy's, this guy's senile. Sorry, Lou, um, but this makes no sense. I mean, this guy's living back in the 80s again. Or like 2013, I don't know, with this whole Matt Martin nonsense. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The, the fact that he signed him to that contract in the first place is absolutely egregious. But then to go ahead and double down and triple down and protect him over and over, um, I, I just, I don't even know. I guess, I guess their, you know, their strategy going into this entire expansion draft is, is truly, well, they can only take one of them. I mean, that's what it seems like, right? Um, so many dudes that you could take that are better than Clutterbuck and Martin, uh, and yeah, including your first line fucking right winger. What the hell are you doing here? Uh, so yeah, I'll take Jordan Eberle and, uh, yeah, Lemerle's washed. What is he doing? We're a little bit past, uh, the halfway point of these teams. That might be a good time to take a short break because Jay, I just saw this Jay Fresh tweet. It says, just out of curiosity, I drafted the worst possible Seattle Kraken team using the current protection list. Uh, projected standings points, 35. Here's the, I'm just going to read off all the players to you. Milan Lucic, <laughs> Ryan Johansson, Wayne Simmons, Leo Komarov, Jonathan Druan, James Neal, Andrew Ladd, Franz Nielsen, Louis Erickson, Victor Rask, Chris Wagner, Blake Como, Jeff Skinner, Brandon Tanev. Those are the forwards. Defensemen. Robert Hogg, P.K. Subban, Nathan Beaulieu, Anthony Boteto, Jakob Larson, Justin Schultz, Jake Gardner, Jan Ruda, Marco Scandella, Scott Harrington, and goalies, Jonathan Quick, Martin Jones, Matt Murray, and Malcolm Subban. I'm pretty sure that one is way over the cap. I don't think he really accounted for that. Uh, but there, that's a fun little activity. Uh, yeah, I said this team was designed to maximize cap burden while minimizing on-ice performance. <laughs> Very nice. Did you say thirty-five points? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the projection of his model. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's what I mean. Um, that's that's the bar. That's the floor, apparently. So, hopefully, I get there with my team. It's as bad as it can All get. Right. Mhm. Yikes. <laughs> okay. All right, New York Rangers. All right. There were two players I was going back and forth between Julian Gauthier and Colin Blackwell. I ended up. 
going with Julian Gauthier just because he's younger and because, you know, the hockey men love that first-round pedigree. Yeah. Um, looking at their list, I would agree on this one because, uh, yeah, not much else. And Gauthier's cheap. And, yeah, at only 23, why wouldn't you? Yep, the Ottawa Senators next. Uh, they protected recent waiver claim Victor Mete, uh, which was extremely predictable. Of course they would because he's great and cheap. Uh, no one would ever put him on waivers. Why would you even say something like that? I decided to go with uh, Chris Tierney instead of the tremendously overpaid Matt Murray or the somewhat overpaid and underperforming Evgeny Dadnov. I think Chris Tierney is a reasonably priced center, and there aren't that many... Uh, good centers uh, available in this expense draft. So I thought, why not Chris Tierney? Okay. All right. Uh, I was thinking about Tierney. Uh, and the other alternative is you go Josh Brown. What should I do? I'm going to do the thing where I don't take who you did, and I'm going to take Josh Brown. Uh, the worst player. Very nice. What's that? The worst player. <laughs> That's right. But with a lesser cap hit. Because uh, got to load up. Because you used up. up all your cap space on, on, on who did you even take? Christian Fisher and someone else? I don't know. Danton Heinen. <laughs> How much did I spend on those guys? Uh, uh, like over $3 million. No way. Oh, uh, well. Heinen's under. He's at two. He's under three. We're okay here. Don't worry. I'm at 47 and a half. We got plenty of runway. All right, moving on. Um, Philadelphia, interesting bunch of dudes. Um, so we got uh, Shane Gostisbehere, who's uh, no good anymore, uh, and they left him unprotected. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? We have James Rand Reemsdijk, who's extremely expensive, but we had a very good season last year. They left Voracek exposed, but I don't know why the hell anybody would take him. Um, so I'm going to take... Well, I got that cast for a reason. I'm going to take JVR uh, because... He's only got two mirrors left on that kind of egregious contract, but it seems he had a bit of a renaissance last year. So uh, that's who I'm going to take. Yeah, I, I I see everyone mock drafting JVR to Seattle. I even did it my first time. Then I looked at my team and I was like, you know, I mean, it's two more years only. It's not that bad. It's $7 million. I don't know. This just feels like the type of contract. I know we had a good year. But it could just immediately stop working out. And it's like, do you really want to use an expansion slot to take this contract that could very easily turn into a liability? It, like, I, I want to, I'm kind of scared of that. I feel like everyone exposed by the Flyers is either good but overpaid or just straight up not very good. And I decided to go with someone who uh, is kind of a happy median between both. Robert Hogg. All right. A little bit bad, a little bit overpaid, but not too much of either. Uh, $1.6 million for one more year, and then he's a UFA. Uh, fringe defenseman at best. You could probably trade him for like a late-round pick at the deadline if you suck, but I I don't think the Kraken will. Uh, and no one else was really that appealing uh, from a from a salary cap standpoint from the Flyers. Okay. All right. Uh, on to Pittsburgh. Who, one sec, let me just pull up the protection list. Uh, uh, oh, we got our second dumbest protection list yeah. now. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Take it away. <laughs> all right, folks. Um, all right, so we have 
the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have been a bit of a mess. I mean, trading away Jared McCann. It seems like they weren't going to protect him from the get-go. Um, so that was the thing. And then you look at the protection list, and it's just question marks all around. Just what the hell are we doing here? Starting with a big name on the board, we have our boy, Mike fucking Matheson. <laughs> Wait. I can't believe it. Yeah. Okay, finish. Fin- I, w- I just wanted to point out our most listened to episode of all time is from September. Uh, it was called Michael Badthison. And it was right <laughs> after the Penguins acquired Michael Matheson for Patrick Hornquist. And I was so shocked by this protection because this was a uh, Jim Rutherford trade. And everyone tore it to shreds, rightfully so. And now this, the new GM, Ron Hextall, is in with Brian Burke, the president of Hockey Ops. I would have thought maybe they'd be like, you know, a set of fresh eyes realizes that Michael Matheson sucks and is tremendously overpaid for the next five years. Instead, they protect him instead of the much better and cheaper uh, and younger Marcus Pedersen, who isn't signed for as long. So, yeah, there's just a, a, a piece of stupidity on defense, and there was some more at forward also. Yeah, so we have fucking Jeff Carter over here getting protected, Mr. The Fossil himself. Um, And you also have Teddy Bluger, who's uh, strictly a bottom six forward. And so just a whole... And then then not to top it all off, it's like they screwed up every single position. They protected Tristan Jari, who had a remarkable run of being bad. Um, Inconsistent to extremely bad, you know, just to see the playoffs that he just had. Um, but that's not the only sample size, right? He's just, he's just, he's not very good. Uh, and he's overpaid. So, uh, just truly every, at every level, the Pittsburgh Penguins have no idea what the hell they're doing. And that leaves at every level, some interesting names to take. I mean, you could take Casey the Smith and then (laughs) leave the Penguins with just Tristan Jaria goalie aside from Maxim Legacy. Um, which is kind of funny, but also I don't think Casey the Smith is the best value um, out of the picks. But I think just in terms of comedy value, I think that would uh, provide quite a bit. You have Jason Zucker, who they just traded for last season. Um, you also have Marcus Pedersen, who you just mentioned, uh, who is a solid defenseman. I am going to go... I'm going to go defense. I'm going to go Marcus Pedersen. Just because it makes it even that much funnier that they protected fucking Mike Matheson over this guy. And I think they should be punished for that. Mm-hmm. About the goalies, I don't think any of these goalies were worth protecting. Tristan Jerry sucks. Casey DeSmith is a, a shitbag human being, so I don't think it makes much of a difference uh, whoever they go with. Uh, the forwards, I I, I want to criticize them a little more for, for the... Because, okay, Jeff Carter, he was great. He was great in a couple months after you acquired him for like a third and a fourth round pick or whatever it was. Uh, he's 36. He has one year left. Um, I'm not too bothered about exposing Jason Zucker. He's a touch overpaid. He signed for a couple more years. But the fact that you traded Jared McCann so that you could protect the older and worse Jeff Carter is ridiculous. And even if we ignore the fact that Pittsburgh ever had Jared McCann, the fact that you would protect Jeff Carter over Zach Aston Reese, one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL, still incredibly underrated, is mind-bogglingly asinine, and that's my pick uh, for Seattle, is Zach Aston Reese. Uh, I think he's a brilliant addition to any team, uh, excellent shutdown winger, and he's a 26-year-old RFA, so under team control, and they're going to be able to sign him to a nice deal. All right. Next up, we have the San Jose Sharks. 
who don't have much. Um, yeah, pretty bare bones team here. Trying and really I hard to remember to who I took from this team. Oh, okay. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Ryan Donato, um, RFA, uh, 25, and uh, I mean he's a solid depth uh, depth piece. Can't say much about the rest of the, the list, so that's where I'm gonna go. Yeah, the reason I uh, didn't really want to take Donato was because his uh wait let me check to see what his qualifying offer is gonna have to be because I think it's a little much. Yeah, his qualifying offer would have to be two point one five million dollars, which is just you know it's not crazy, but it's like eh, do I really want to take a player who's you know making a little too much when I could take someone else? Like for example, the recently signed for one point one million dollars, Dylan Gambrell, twenty four years old. Uh, a little bit younger than Donato, I think. And, uh, you know, bottom six forward, kind of just a whatever ho-hum kind of addition to your team. Okay. Um, on to the Blues, who I think are one of the more interesting teams, mainly because yes. they exposed uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, we just talked the other week about how that situation has completely gone to shit um, because of the shoulder. And so he's missed the better part of two years. And we don't know how how washed he is at this point in his career um, because we haven't really seen him play. Um, we saw a bit last year. He wasn't very good, but I don't think it was completely healthy. And But at $7.5 million for two years, man, that's a lot. But then again, last we saw of him when he was completely healthy, he was scoring goals. Um, so that's an interesting option. But then again, on defense, you have a very tantalizing option with Vince Dunn. Uh, the RFA is only 24 years old. Um, good puck-moving defenseman. And in the end, I'm not going to risk it with Tarasenko. Uh, all that cap space, all that injury question marks, especially when you have a much safer option and done there, uh, who can be you know a young piece for your defense moving forward. So that's what I'm going to take. Give me Tarasenko. Give it to wow. me. Wow. Okay. Give me Tarasenko. Here's why. Here's why. So like you know, I was talking about like oh you know a lot of good players who've left exposed, but you know they're making a lot and they can't take them all. Tarasenko is one that you take the risk on, unlike James Van Riemsdyk. Because Tarasenko, kind of like Clefbaum, does have that high ceiling, the potential, the possibility of return to form. And the downside with Van Riemsdyk is he might just be terrible. And with Tarasenko, if the the worst case scenario with him does come to fruition, all that means is he's going on LTIR and the cap hit uh, won't be a burden to you for the last two years of it. And so I think that this is the perfect player to take a risk on because there's a very real chance that you've got uh, your first star in franchise history. All right, you're going you're going big on the injured players who you might be able to stash on LTIR if they Why don't not? pan out. Why not? It's Clefbaum and Vladimir Tarasenko. All right? It's not like I'm taking scrubs over here. I'm swinging for the okay, fences. All right, but yeah, sure, swing for the fences. But at the same time, you've got a much safer option than Vince Dunn sitting there. And mind you, this is not just about like, oh, what will happen if this doesn't pan out? Like, if it doesn't pan out, that still fucking sucks. I mean, you have nobody when you could have had Vince Dunn, right? Yeah, Anyways. well, it's just Vince Dunn. Whatever, we can live without him. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's move on. Do I think this is probably the third dumbest protected list from the Stanley Cup champions? <laughs> The, the Tampa Bay Light, no, really. I, I, okay, because I was so surprised that they decided to protect the signed till 2026, 32 year old, 6.7 million AAV, Ryan McDonough. Uh, when not only do you already have Hedman and Sergachev on the left side of your defense, who are more than capable of being your one and two, as they kind of already were, uh, you've protected McDonough at the expense of 
Andre Palat, and Yanni Gord, and Alex Kalorn. Or if you wanted to expose Alex Kalorn and protect Matthew Joseph instead, I probably would have done that, to be honest. And all of a sudden, you're losing, who are you losing? Either Kalorn or probably not McDonough. I don't think Seattle would have taken him. Or maybe like Taylor Radish or something like that. And instead, you're pretty much now guaranteed to lose either Andre Palat or Yanni Gord. And I understand that Tampa probably did this as a way of being like, oh, we protect McDonough, we only protect four forwards, and now Seattle's probably going to take one of these five-plus-million-dollar contracts off our books. But it's like, really? Wait, did they bo- did they both have no trade? Did Palat and Gord both have, like, full no-trade clauses? Because if so, then maybe this makes more sense. I'm looking into it right now. Uh, Yanni Gord is a full no-trade. Andre Palat is a modified no-trade. Uh, where he could submit a 20-team trade list. So, uh, yeah, this this doesn't make much sense because you could have still traded on Trey Palat and lost a much less valuable asset than Yanni Gord in the expansion draft. And that's why I'm taking Yanni Gord as my Seattle pick. And I think he's probably going to be their, uh, their top-line center, expanded role for Yanni Gord. All right. Uh, I, I mean, look, I agree. I take, like, my pick here is... Uh... Also, Yanni Gord. I mean, he's an excellent center. Um, and uh, yeah, you, I mean, he, we just watched that all playoffs, all two playoffs in a row. Uh, and I mean, it makes no sense. Why the heck would you ride McDonough for all he brings to the table, which is, I mean, fine. He's like, he's fine. Um, but with that contract, I don't know what the heck they're doing protecting this guy. I mean, if in terms of shedding salary, isn't that an absolutely fantastic way to do it? Um, shedding that contract. Uh, so that's a bit of a head scratcher, and the value that you would gain by not protecting uh, McDonough and then protecting three additional forwards, uh, I think is like considerable. It's a lot. It's a lot more. You get to protect Palette, you get to protect Gord, and you know you can cross your fingers and hope they take Tyler Johnson. Um, and the fact that like I don't know, it, it really does kind of feel last minute. Either that, or they were really just set on protecting uh, Ryan McDonough because, man, I. You, I think you gotta try at least to trade one of these dudes. I don't know if they did, but uh, I mean, I'm sure there were takers for Andre Palat. Um, so yeah, it, it is a head scratcher. Um, but then again, they won the cup, so like, how much can we really criticize them? But we can. Um, and so yeah, I'm taking Gord here. Not much, uh, not much to think about. Toronto butchered this, also. I think I really think they did. They okay, so they acquired Jared McCann and. My first thoughts were, wow, not only did Toronto win that trade hands down, but Jared McCann is probably a perfect fit on their third line because one of their problems was that whenever the Stars' scoring dried up, the depth scoring wasn't good enough to replace it. Jared McCann can and has provided offense from uh, from the third line throughout his career, especially uh, recently. And I was like, this is a very nice fit as your third line center. And this also probably means you're going to go seven forwards, Three defensemen, which would have been smart to begin with. You'll go Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, McCann, Kerfoot, and like maybe Adam Brooks or something like that. But instead, Carl Dubas is so in love with Justin Hall that he's protected Justin Hall at the expense of exposing the recently acquired Jared McCann as well as Kerfoot. And on one level, if they lose McCann, which I think they probably will, losing basically Philip Hollander and a seventh to Seattle in expansion is not that big of a deal. But on the other hand, that's kind of a, you know, kind of a galaxy brain thing. And when you have Jared McCann, why don't you just expose Justin Hall 
It's, it's just Justin Hall. You can live without him. He's not that good. Come on. You have Timothy Lillian. What's he? he Timothy Lilligren's been there for so long. You're never going to use him. You have to protect Justin Hall. Jared McCann would be such a perfect fit on the Leafs. And now they're basically just going to throw it away because of uh, a very easily replaceable Justin Hall. They just didn't think they could afford to lose. So yeah, Jared McCann, that's my pick for Seattle. And I actually have him as my second line center behind Yanni Gord. All right. Um, so yeah, this McCann pick, or no, this this McCann lack of protection, it's 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 a real head scratch. Like, what? Why are they so in love with Justin Hall, who's like an average thirty year old NHL like average defenseman, who's like not that good. He's fine. Um, and you know, like he's very replaceable. I think, especially with the guys they've already got in the pipeline. Um, but you could go out and get a guy on you know, uh, out in free agency if you wanted for cheap. Because Justin Hall is not that good. Um, and this whole, yeah, you can't, I don't think you can really rationalize um, losing Jared McCann by saying, well, it's just like losing Hollander in a seventh. Because, yeah, you said it. You already have just, you know, you already have Jared McCann. And so, you know, this this doesn't this doesn't give you a reason to freaking lose him for nothing. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, they protected the worst player here. The significantly worst player here. And all, yeah, and it makes no sense. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Uh, Jared McCann is a guy who can play the second, you know, he can't, you can't play through C. Um, he was great. He was very solid in Pittsburgh in that kind of role, uh, as a middle six forward. And so easy pick, easy pick. And I, and I agree. I think the Leafs absolutely botched this one because, uh, you protected the worst player. The Vancouver Canucks have protected Tyler Myers. Good work. <laughs> Congratulations, Jim Benning has never been so Jim Benning. And I think that they're going to lose Cole Lind here. It's not a massive loss. I think he has some potential maybe to still, you know, become a decent NHLer. But every time I think of Cole Lind, I think of that like uh, behind the scenes, Jim Benning mic'd up at the 2017 NHL draft. And it was like they, they picked Pedersen fifth overall. That was the year. And they were talking of potentially like trading down one spot with Vegas. And he was going through hypotheticals with, I don't know, his AGM or something, and he was like, and they move up, we think they would take glass, so we'd still end up with Ped, uh, our guy, and he, <laughs> and he almost messed up, and as the first round got to an end, Vancouver didn't have a pick in the first round, but they had the, like, the second pick of round two, and Jim Benning was like, how come nobody's taking Cole Lind? And then like with the 33rd pick of the draft, they took Cole Lind. So that's what I think of every time I think of Cole Lind. <laughs> Yeah, so truly wonderful piece of work um protecting Tyler Myers. I it's just it's a <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. I I don't understand. Like, man, these stupid ass decisions. It's just I keep thinking, like, you know, I could do this job better than them. A potato could do a better job than both of these guys, uh, both Lamarello and Benning. Like, come on. See, you can't actively you can't keep actively making these stupid decisions. Does it make it worse or better that there were no other defensemen worth protecting? <laughs> exactly right <laughs> um somehow both um it yeah. does it makes it worse and better because <laughs> uh yeah it's uh, i i i'm going cole lind here as well he's an intriguing prospect um and there's really nothing here although i heard that uh in a hilarious bit of news that the kraken are seriously looking into taking Braden holtby here <laughs> um which uh fucking yikes that's a but big yikes. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah um, looking into, sure, look around and then decide that it would be the wrong choice. No, I heard it was seriously considering. 
you know, if we're if we're tossing oh, around those no. kind of terms, um, I I think I I think Seattle really might take Braden Holtby at this point for his playoff pedigree. He's won a cup. Um, uh, they're really so... gonna pass up on like Ben Bishop and Kapokakinen for Chris Dreger and Braden Holtby. They might. I mean, they've already got half of that done, and like you know, Braden Holtby's that that bit of news is really one of the only pieces of news that I've heard come out of that expansion selection process, right? It's it's him and Dreger, um, that I've heard. Nobody else has I've even heard a peach any sort of news report. Um, so like I'm kind of convinced that they might take Holpi here, which uh would be terrible. This guy has negative value given his contract. Um, he's worse than yeah, taking that nothing. Pretty, that would be pretty idiotic. I do have to say, Washington Capitals. This one's interesting because there are actually a lot of players who are like, oh, that might be a nice pick. And I've been thinking for a while like Ovitek Vanacek. But, like, I've already got three goalie slots filled out. I don't think they're going to go with Vanacek. And looking at their defensemen that are available, you know, Justin Schultz, Michael Kempney, I decided to go with Brendan Dillon. I think he's the best one. I think he's, like, a $3.9 million cap hit. He can definitely play on your second pair. So uh, I think that's uh, the nice addition from the Capitals. All right. Um, Let me just pull that up again. Okay. Um, So, all right. So let's look at my, my situation here. Is that I've got ten million dollars left of cap space, so we did it, we did it, we made it under the cap in this first run through. Um, congratulations to me. Um, all right, so yeah, now the question is, who do I take? And I'm gonna take, I'm gonna splurge a bit. I'm gonna take Justin Schultz. Um, you know, if the if the Kraken are trying to make the Should, playoffs out here, in the I would first, like to remind you. I would like to remind yeah. you that he was on Jay Fresh's worst possible team. Oh, he was? Yikes. All yes. right, never mind. Uh, let me rewind. And Is your uh... vision clouded from his good playoff run in Pittsburgh <laughs> like four years ago? Perhaps. Yeah. Bad move. Okay. Um, all right. Do I just... Hmm. Okay, so it, do I do the thing where I don't take the guy you took? Um... Ah, you know what? Screw it. I'll take Vitek Vanacek. Um, you know, I'll take a fourth, fourth goalie. goalie. Why the hell not? Yeah, fifth that's goalie. right. I'm taking a fifth goalie. Yeah, fifth goalie. Um, and I mean, he's value. I think he's got trade value. He's signed for another year. He's only 25. He's had some uh, NHL experience. Let's do it. All right, last team. Uh, we get to cap this off with one final idiotic decision to protect Logan Stanley instead of the excellent shutdown defenseman Dylan DeMello, who right when be, after being acquired by the Jets in 2020, Paul Maurice was like, this guy's a coach's dream, and then the very next season proceeded to barely play him at all. Uh, so he's been exposed, and I think this is the clear no-brainer choice for uh, Seattle. Depending on what other defenseman you have, he would definitely slot into your top four. Maybe even, I don't know, you could put him next to Mark Giordano on your top pair next season. Why not? Yeah. Um, oh wait, actually, to- uh, in in the Sharks, well, on the Sharks, they actually uh, used to play with Brennan Dillon on that bottom pairing, Brennan Dillon and Dillon Demello. And when you just say their last names, it's the Dillon Demello pairing, and everyone thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it's beautiful. All right, so I'm going uh, Demello here too. Uh, I don't know why they protected Stanley. What is going? He has no value. He scored two goals in a game against the Canadians in the playoffs. Of course. So, 
he's, he's got to be predicted now. We're all about that. He's a playoff player, right? What can he, he comes for the playoffs? Um, Clutch. He's all that. He's all about that grit and tenacity. Um, yeah, Dylan Demello, slam dunk pink. Uh, because uh, yeah, another roster that sucks after if, when you're looking at their depth. Yeah. All right. So we've reached the end. Uh, I would like you to scroll to the top of your page. Let us know if you've exceeded the cap and or met the uh, the positional requirements. What's that looking like for you? Oh, I nailed it. Um, I have seventy five point three million dollars in cap uh, in cap uh, hit used up in the upcoming season. I have not not only did I meet the the required position thresholds, I have at least one extra in every single one of them, and two extra goalies. Uh, so may have been, oh, let me view team. Let's see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. I hit all of them pretty good. Made some questionable picks along the way, but, uh, in the end, at least my team is eligible. Very nice. Uh, I too have done everything perfectly. 15 forwards out of the 14 minimum, 11 defensemen out of the nine minimum and four goalies out of the three minimum, 23 out of 20 contracts for next season. Uh, minimum, you know, already signed for next season, and a cap hit of seventy-one point five million dollars. So I have uh, a little more cap space than you, a little more wiggle room. So I think my team wins based on that alone. All right, congratulations on your victory. Uh, and so uh, yeah, we'll see how this pans out. We'll see how accurate each of these each of us were. Um, if that's our unofficial competition. Um, how long are we into the episode right now? We're about an hour and a half in. Do you want to do the uh, a little bit of draft preview, or you want to call it an episode? Uh, now we don't. Let's not do the draft preview. Uh, I think okay. probably on a Thursday we're gonna have an episode that's expansion draft preview and entry draft final cram session for the day before, where we maybe finish going through that uh, athletic mock draft, and then maybe we could do our own like quick you know alternating mock draft if we want afterward, a uh, bunch of draft stuff, and but before we end this episode. I think we should talk a little bit about the Ottawa Senators hiring Pierre Maguire. This was the same day. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's, we also, we have to talk about the Suter and Parise buyouts. I forgot about that. Okay, oh but first, Maguire. Okay, Pierre Maguire. Um, he is uh, not going to be on TV anymore. That's nice, I guess. Uh, so to our American listeners, congratulations on that victory. Um, I... Don't think so. First of all, this was this hiring was Eugene Melnick driven, which should tell you a lot of what you need to know about it. Uh, and Pierre Dorian was like, oh, sure, fine. Pierre, Pierre Maguire said things like in his press conference, like, oh, yeah, I was offered jobs during my tenure at NBC, none of them were long enough for me to uh, leave my NBC commitment. It's like, okay, uh, so this guy has not worked for an NHL team since like literally the 20th century. Uh, there was an article about like when he coached the Hartford Whalers, and it was like the most embarrassing coaching tenure of all time. And wasn't there a game where like he he like after the game that he was coaching, he like bragged about shutting down Mario Lemieux, but like some guy whose name I don't even remember, like Ken Smith or something, scored four goals, like something ridiculous <laughs> like that. <laughs> it, it was not Ken Smith. I don't even some scrubs like had a four goal game, and he was like, "We my plan to shut down Mario Lemieux worked, and like lost seven three or something." Anyway. Basically, or here, here's a, a, a good way of thinking about this. Um, every time an NHL team hires a woman, 
you get these people in the comments like, oh, I just hope that she's the best for the job and she wasn't hired to, as, you know, because of her gender to be a token woman. And Pierre Maguire, I feel like, would have been the perfect opportunity to be like, oh, I just hope he's the best for the job and he wasn't just hired because he's a man. And that joke probably wouldn't have landed on Twitter. Uh, but I, I think uh, most people would probably get the idea with that one, which is that there's really no reason for Pierre Maguire. Like, he has not earned a front office job in his TV track record, in his NHL track record. What has he done besides constantly misunderstand analytics with straw man arguments and know a lot of obscure facts that anyone in a front office could just look up and find out for themselves. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big sticking point with me. All right. Not only is he completely just, uh, I don't know what to like him to liken him to. Um, but there's some sort of analogy out there. Uh, but, uh, the fact that I have no idea what this guy brings to the table. What is he? The VP of player development. When has he demonstrated anything relating to player development in his life other than knowing what junior team a given guy has played for? And yeah, absolutely. You can just look that shit up on Hockey Reference or HockeyDB or whatever it is um, and find that information on Google. Um, so when you talk about a guy who hasn't had experience uh, in an, on an HL team since the 1900s, we're talking about the age of uh, Google probably didn't <laughs> exist back then either. And so maybe he was potentially more uh maybe he had some value then but let me tell you uh newsflash mr melnick uh this guy brings nothing to the table i I don't understand i don't understand what what possible value this guy brings like he doesn't have any scouting acumen because all he talks about is grit and tenacity and oh he's got that thing that the numbers can't measure Ooh, uh and i i just i don't know why he was hired I, I, I truly don't know what he brings to the table aside from, oh, he played for the Shakunami Cataracts back five years ago. Um, like, is that, you're just, you're hiring a guy, you're slapping a title on him so you can go ahead and like, he's just a dictionary for junior teams. It's like, I don't understand. This guy's, this guy has no proven track record, as you said, um, of anything in the last 20 years. Uh, and there were, I'm sure as shit, there were more competent people around the league waiting to be hired uh, for like a prominent role like this. And instead you took the fucking guy who's on TV on the country that you don't, your team's not even like your, your team's not even located on. Um, I don't understand, man. I really don't understand what the hell Melnick's doing. Um, this yeah. is, yeah, there's, there's no explanation. What the hell does he bring to the table? I'm still so confused. Yeah, Rachel Dory told a really interesting story on staff and graph uh, like about a week ago about how right before she was hired by the Devils uh, a number of years ago, she watched a Devils game like with Pierre Maguire. I don't remember the circumstances, but I think it was like like just the two of them in a press box or something. And he basically was like, oh, nice to meet you. And then like within the first five minutes, like rattled off like, oh, you went to school here. You worked here. You wrote for the Athletic. It's like, how do you know all these things about me? And then like during the game, uh, I was like, I was, like Miles Wood or something. I don't know. Basically like, absorbed a hit to make a pass out to Travis Zajac and Pierre Maguire was like, Oh, you see that the analytics can't measure that. And in her head, she was like, actually it's called a zone exit, but outside she was, she was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so basically uh, the point of her story was that it's not an act hating analytics, knowing everything about everyone. That's just who he is all the time. Constantly. It's just a, like a pro internet stalker. 
like <laughs> managed to find himself in a front office job. Like that's you can't like this guy goes. Is the type of guy who goes out on everybody's LinkedIn and memorizes everything that they've every single job that they've had, but instead he does it for hockey. Um, I yeah, and it, yeah, that's just truly incredible. I like I don't see the value in bringing this guy and paying him a dime. Like I was surprised he's on TV in the first place. Like I'm, I'm so confused as to what this what value what what do people see in him? Like you know, people have to hire people. People have to think. Oh, I want this guy for the job. How many people have thought I want Pierre Maguire for the job after <laughs> sitting through an interview with him and seeing what he offers? I don't understand. I am truly baffled. baffled. I don't remember who's the guy he usually did play-by-play with with NBC, but I heard a couple uh, clips from mostly these past playoffs, especially when they knew, like, oh, yeah, like, this partnership, like, it's pretty much done after these playoffs. I was, it might have been, like, John Forsen. I don't remember. But, you know, Pierre would just say these random quips that have nothing to do with anything and, like, totally destroy the flow of the broadcast. And it's like, oh, and, you know, back in 2014, a similar thing happened with this player and, like, a former teammate where they, he got a hooking penalty right after, you know, a goal against. And at this point, John Forsen or whoever it was would just be like, Okay, Pierre, and then just carry on. I just like, <laughs> try to just ignore it, basically. But uh, because so often they would just lead to like eight seconds of silence when Pierre would say something so idiotic and irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, what else is he supposed to say here? Like, yeah. Like, can we can we blame the guy? I mean, what is he gonna? Is he gonna lie to his face? And say, well, that's that's very interesting, Pierre. That contributed uh, nothing to our broadcast. Yeah. Yeah, thank thank you for your contributions to the to to to, to have enhanced the viewing experience. Like, oh, oh, I struggle. I I yeah. This is this will truly forever be a mystery. Well, is it really a mystery? He's just one of the two hundred hockey men, so it's it's not that much of a mystery. But like, how does he guy? How does he keep getting hired? What is he doing? Oh man, he's I got don't... some dirt. He's got you know what? I think we just I think that's it. He's got some dirt on everybody out in the hockey. He oh my god, I just found it. He's the pro internet stalker. He's found the the, the dirt uh, on the internet for everybody. Must be and it. he just leverages that into higher and higher paid jobs. And all of a sudden he's the VP of player development for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> There's no other Honestly. explanation. There's no other explanation. If I could leverage information about everyone in the entire world to get whatever job I wanted, even if it was just within ice hockey, Ottawa Senators would still be very far down my list. So I think there might still be some holes in your conspiracy theory, but uh, keep working at it. Yeah, well, I'll find the truth. I'll find the truth eventually. But then again, do we really trust Pierre Maguire's player talent evaluation to trust that he also doesn't think... he Maybe he thinks the Ottawa Senators are fucking great. We don't know that. Maybe he it certainly wouldn't be off brand. Uh, oh, remember, did you see? Well, I mean, did you hear in um in like his first, or I think it was his first press conference? Because apparently, one thing he's always talked about, which I never heard of, was like the seven player profile, which is like, here's what a good a team needs to be a, a Stanley Cup contender. You need to have uh two dominant centers. You need to have a good power forward. You need to have a good specialty forward. It was like it was really good at like something, whatever it is, like a like good faceoff or whatever. You need uh two great defensemen, and you need an elite goalie. And part of it is like, okay, yeah, great insight, Pierre. You need uh you need uh, good players at every position to win. Way to go! But the funny part was was someone asked him like, how close do you think Ottawa is 
to having that um that seven player profile and he basically went through the positions and he said yeah we don't have an elite goalie which he's absolutely correct about but it's just very <laughs> strange to be like yeah we have four of those yeah we obviously have you know that elite defenseman thomas shabbat brady kachuk is an excellent power forward and he'd be basically like enumerated like how many of those seven players they have at that point and left out elite goalie you know what they say? The auto senators are just one piece away from being a cup contender. Um, Three pieces. Maybe Melnick's just... <laughs> Sorry? Well, he said he's like, yeah, I'd say we we have about like uh, four of the seven player profile locked in right now oh, or something okay. like that. Oh, I thought, or, like, I thought, I thought he coming. said... No, it wasn't everything I but the goalie. Six. <laughs> no. <laughs> that'd be funny. Um, that'd be just a whole nother level. Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe that's, you know, because you know Melnick loves his yes men, and you know he thinks there are, what, ready for a stretch of unparalleled success coming up in the next couple of years? <laughs> coming and up so from maybe Melnick, years maybe ago until really next year. Exactly. And maybe maybe Maguire really, like, maybe I'm onto something here in that Maguire thinks that they're actually good. Because, uh, like, you know, Melnick loves his yes man. I'm just saying. Maybe yeah, it's not entirely sure there's something that to it there. Pierre Maguire has blackmail on every single member of the hockey community. That's definitely not far-fetched at all. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's close this out on with to the Ryan Cedar and Zach Parise. The twin contracts signed the exact same day, bought out the exact same day, a little over nine years later. And my first thoughts were the Zach Parise buyout makes some sense. Doing both of them, especially when Ryan Suter is still a good defenseman, is he worth a 7.8 or 7.5 or whatever it is? No, not quite. But I'll tell you what, is that it's better to have Ryan Suter playing for that amount than to have almost the same amount in dead cap a couple years down the road. And the more I looked into it and learned a little about it, about like, yeah, this is still a terrible situation for the Wild. But Ryan Suter apparently is uh not not the greatest guy all right he wore, he's won an a in minnesota his entire time there um he's he had pictures of him in like a blue lives matter hat which uh to be honest is sadly p- pretty much par for the course in terms of nhl politics if we're being honest but apparently he was just like you know starting to become like unpleasant to deal with and to give you some insight into it i mean first they approached him about waiving his no movement clause uh, for the seattle expansion draft or just in general and he was like no which is within his rights having signed that no movement clause but basically when they called him and said all right we're buying you out he kind of just hung up on them and it's like you know if this guy's a total pain to have around and his play has started to decline slightly i can understand why you know maybe that's poisonous to the locker room and if the only way to get him out of there is to buy him out i don't know Maybe you have to, but it is still looking pretty ugly for Minnesota, who saves a ton in cap for this season. And then uh, next season, it's $12 million in, de- in dead cap, and then over $14 million in dead cap for the two years after that, uh, which is not m- not very big savings compared to what they would have had if Suter and Parise had just stuck around. Yeah, so it seems... Okay, so I hadn't heard that he's a complete asshat, but if that's the case... Um, really buying him out seems to be the only move that was left to them because he didn't want to wave. I doubt he would have wanted to be traded and uproot his family and all that. Uh, so, I mean, if that was the only way and he was contributing to a toxic culture, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Um, especially, you know, like G- Garen's uh, 
relatively new there and he's kind of clearing house uh, in terms of, you know, like revamping the core and kind of giving the wild a new identity after what, 20 years of mediocrity. Um, I guess it makes sense. But then again, you know, I think suit, I think, yeah, that's the thing, right? He didn't want to wait for his no, he didn't want to waive his new, no move clause for the expansion draft. So that's like another angle there. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess it was, a, it really seems like a lose lose situation either way for the wild. Um, but yeah, the, the, like Parise was a no brainer. This guy was getting healthy scratch. Yeah, you're gonna use no good and you just buy him out. You save a bit of money down the road and you kind of eat the dead cap because he was a healthy scratch, anyways. Um, but with Suter, he was still kind of playing a role. Um, but if it means revamping the culture, I guess it means revamping the culture. Um, but that shit hurts, man. Um, looking forward, I mean, oof, you gotta wonder what they do this offseason, right? Um, because they gained the what $10 million in savings this year. Um, but it's only for this year. So, like, if you're going to try to sign long-term guys, you can't really do that because you have so much dead cap attached. And so we're talking... This is this is a uh, major, major liability, especially with the flash gap that's going to be going on for at least the next couple of years. Um, interesting how they had navigated because this was a team that was supposed kind of supposed to be up and coming uh, because they seem so exciting with uh, Kaprizov and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do have a lot of cap space right now for next season. It's a little over $26 million. They need to sign Kaprizov, which is probably going to be a lot. He turned down, I think, eight years, $9 million per because he wants shorter. Something shorter, the AAV will probably be like around $7 million, I would guess. Fiala, also an RFA, probably getting like about five and a half, six, something like that. So say that eats up like $13 million of that. Then all of a sudden you've got about 13 million left in cap space. You've only got like 10 NHL forwards signed for next season. People are throwing around like, oh, do you try to go all in with all this cap space? Take a run at Eichel, something like that. I mean, Minnesota definitely is still in the running for, for Jack Eichel. I just, and then say you add him and you probably send some money back the other way. Then I don't know, just off the top of my head, you have about, I don't know, 6 million more or so to like work around, fill around the, uh, the other spots, you know, you're, you're still need another top four defenseman now with Ryan Sutergun. So I don't really see any sort of great golden contention w- window upcoming for Minnesota this coming season, and especially not with the dead cap in the years after that. Yeah, like think about how big of a percentage that is. Like with $81 million of the cap ceiling, $14 million, that's like... I don't want to do the math on that, but that's like a lot. It's per- just percentage-wise, dedicated to nothing. Right, just guys who aren't playing for your team, uh, and that's that's gotta hurt. So you gotta think what. So it's years really, it's next. So this upcoming season, they're saving all that money. The year after, they save a bit of money, and the year after that, they're still paying fourteen million dollars. And then after that, it kind of calms down, right? Uh, in year four of the mm-hmm. buyout. So, yeah. oof. The year I five. Mean, you think. also then at that, yeah, year five. Oh, okay. Um, so if that's the case. You can't imagine that you're going to contend in those in those you know big dead cap years, and so now you have to start selling your players on kind of like a a rebuild of sorts, or at least you know somewhat of a down year where you can't really push all your chips in because you have no chips to push in uh, because you're out of cap space. So because you can't trade those buyout years, right? That's the rule. Like you can't for LTIR because there's a player attached, but with a dead cap, it's stuck with you. Uh, so yeah, um, I think. It really changes their outlook big time because this was a team that kind of looked like, you know, with Kaprizov in the fold, you know, you, you're building with all these players. You got Fiala, who's really broken out. You have Eric Sinek, who's who's a great two-way forward. 
um, that things are really kind of starting to turn around and potentially two or three years down the road, you're trying to contend, you're trying to, you know, become a real buyer. You can't really do that anymore. And then you kind of have to sell your players, your free agents on that kind of vision because you already have that. It's like a ticking time bomb. Yep, absolutely. Um, on that note, I think that's pretty much how we're ending today is Minnesota talk. Uh, kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, we'll probably be back on Thursday, as I mentioned, uh, talking expansion draft. We will know who's on the Kraken at that point and who everyone's lost, whether Carey Price is still on the Canadians. Spoiler alert, yes. And we will spend a big chunk of the episode talking about the NHL entry draft, which will be the next day. Do you have any final words of wisdom before we close out this long, lengthy, and uh, what was the other word? Extensive episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, words of wisdom? Uh, I'm going to say pray that they take prize. I really hope they do at this point. Um, I've, I've detached myself. I've dissociated from any emotional attachment from the goalie who's you know been the Habs goalie for like most of my life. Um, it's time. I don't think Seattle will. But uh, I hope so. Then we shed, what, $18 million in cap over the span of six days? Oh, man, I'm praying. Give me Allmark. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. My dream scenario here is we have we get Allmark and we get Hamilton. That's my words of wisdom going into the next week. Very interesting. And I probably mostly agree with you. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. We will be back on Thursday, as I've said like three times now. Oh, and Pekka Rene retired. That too. Uh, nice retirement. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we're not going to talk about that any more than that. You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Take care.